Hello, everyone. It's been a while. Um, I feel a little weak. <laughs> I'm going to sit. Um, but, oh, man, I think it's been at least before, since before Christmas, since I've been up here. I used, before the old rotation used to be that, I think I preached like once every two months. And then, um, and then the last few months, actually, I think, God was just doing something in me, and I kept waiting and waiting, and I was like, I'm going to preach when God's done doing the thing, and um, and then I think the Lord was just saying, like, just go and preach. The thing's not done. Uh, I don't know when it's going to be done, so we're going to be talking about being in process. <laughs> um, can I have someone put the scripture... Uh, up on the wall, yeah. Second Corinthians 12, 19, uh, 12, 9 through 10. So I'll just read from there. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Ah, Jesus. This is a very nice theory, a very not pretty reality. Um, so I feel like the Lord has tasked me with sharing just in that space that I just read, read about, you know, about sharing in my place of weakness. Um, whew, okay, I'm going to pray. Jesus, I just thank you, Father, that you are my strength, that you are all of our strengths, God, that when we appear strong, it's all a facade. It's not real. <laughs> and so even now, Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would undo the lie that we need to be strong, that we need to be put together for people to respect us, for people to love us, for people to accept us, for things to get done here on earth. God, your ways are so different than our ways, God. Your ways are different. Thank you. Yeah, while I, what I was praying, I think, is what God's been speaking to my heart. Um, I'll just share kind of what's been going on. Um, so I grew up a very type A, very organized, very in-control Asian-American female student. Um, I got straight A's pretty much in school, um, came to Cal, I don't know if everyone here went to Cal, but woo, for those of you who did, and yay, for those of you who didn't, um, it's all good. Um, and I had always done things well. And I had always, I wasn't even one of those kids who drank, right? Like all my friends were partying and they drank a ton. No, 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 and, I, and I'm not going to knock it. I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't a Christian until I came to college. And I wouldn't drink. My friends would be, you know, whatever. But I would be like, I'm not going to drink because I want to be in control. You know, I want to know. And if my friends are drunk, then I get to be the one holding their hair and their vomit. But I do not want to be, right? And that's just kind of where I came from. I just, I had a value for being put together. And 
I come from a place and a culture where we value product. You know, we value something. Do you have money? Do you have a job? Do you have good grades? Do you have, what do you have to show for who you are? You don't have a job, what's wrong with you? You went to Cal, you graduated, you didn't get a job right away, what's wrong with you? Right? How much do you make? My aunt asks me every time I'm on the phone with her, how much do I make? And I'm just like, stop asking me, you know I'm a pastor. Right? <laughs> but it's like, but really, you know, they're, they're what they're interested in. And then I became a Christian when I was 18. And then it's, then you, 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 and then for some of you guys who've been around, they want to know what you're doing. How many people are getting saved? And who have you been sharing the gospel with? And are you going to Bible studies? And how many meetings do you go to? And again, the thing just continue. Are you serving? Are you on hospitality? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? And as an eager beaver workaholic, that's speaking my language. It's like music to my ears, kind of. Until, like, you meet the Lord, and all of a sudden he says things like, I'm not that interested. That's nice. And I've had many different bouts where I felt like the Lord was addressing my performance, my desire to perform, to be accepted. You know, it's not the first time. This isn't the first time I've spoken about it, but I think recently the, 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 the form that it's taken has been a little bit more like, well, your church is out. You know, it's been 10 years now. You guys have been here a while. Yeah. Um, and busy. How's it feel? I'm like, uh, right? It's growing faster than, it's, it's growing pretty quickly. And people start, you know, it's really funny. If you guys haven't met with me, I'm an introvert, right? I actually dread meeting with people I don't know. Uh, I'm just going to be really honest because I feel like when you meet people you don't know, you have to prove yourself. They're always, and if you're a pastor, they're always like, so what are your credentials, and why do, right? There's the nice people who, who really respect pastors, and it's like, okay, so how are you going to be pastorly to me? And then there's the people who have trouble with authority, and they're like, okay, how am I going to overcome and get through this meeting with you and check off a box that I've done this thing? But either way, there's something that you've got to prove to somebody because they don't know you, and they come with a set of assumptions. And performance orientation is like an addiction, Right? And it's when people come at you like that, it's almost like speaking your old language, even if you've been delivered from it. And you're like, okay, I've got to fight everything in me not to please people, not to give you what you want, but to come and really just listen to the Lord. And that's been great, but I think the last um, four or five months, that's actually been kind of a, a little bit harder. I think... I. I mean, today, everybody's, a lot of people are on spring break, um, so there's a little bit of room, but as the church has been growing, I've been feeling this deep internal strain. Um, because I, 
I realize I want to be able to meet everyone. I want to be able to know what's going on with everyone. It actually grieves me deeply. I, I, I hated going to churches where the pastors were too busy, didn't know my name, and you're embarrassed every single time because you're like, do they remember who I am? I think I've introduced myself like six times, and I don't know if they remember me, you know? And I was just like, not that I swore this to myself because I don't make vows, but I was just like, I don't want to be that, and I don't want our church to ever feel like that. But the moment as we've been growing, I've been feeling the strain of how do we maintain that sense of comfort? And like, and there's so many things going on in the world, you know? And how do we talk about all of those different things and meet all of those different needs? And, and like, and... And I've been wanting answers to give everybody. I've been wanting to be more than I could be. And all, and I think the last four to five months, I just realized when I was sitting in my room and I was like, but Jesus, I'm just a small little pot. And I don't have enough to give. The world really needs, and maybe not, you know, the world needs what you have and what you put in me, not necessarily me, but what you put in me. And I don't know how to give it, because I feel like I'm stuck, and I'm tired, and I don't want to, not that I don't want to do it anymore, I don't know how to do it anymore. I felt like the word that the Lord was saying, and I don't think this is just for me, is the way that you were doing stuff before worked for the past past season but it's not going to work for where I'm taking you next and so that's for some of you and I feel like I've been walking in that path you know and I feel like the Lord was saying do you follow me when you know only when you know where the next thing is do you follow me only when you know what the next step is there's a verse in the Bible it's like without vision people perish and so like everything in me is like we got to make sure that everybody knows the vision the vision the vision otherwise they will perish and God's <laughs> I'm like they can't perish because this is a vision destiny driven people right all of these ambitious people need to know what we're giving them and I'm just like vision vision I'm like I don't know the vision I have no vision. Jesus is like, I'm the vision. <sighs> oh, yeah. And so this leads me to my next verse. It's the Hosea verse. Hosea 14, uh, not 14, Hosea chapter 2, verse 14. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness, and speak kindly to her. Then I will give her her vineyards from there, and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. And she will sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. How many of you guys know what a wilderness season is? How many of you guys have heard that term, right? So a wilderness, for those of you guys who don't know, is a place without a whole lot of water, right? It's desert. It's a term that a lot of people who are in miserable places like to call a place so that they feel better about it. But really what it is, (laughs) 
there's no water. <laughs> it's wild. There's no paved roads. Nobody, there's no like, oh, here's the hiking trail and this is the path that you take. But what's really interesting about this is I felt like the Lord was speaking to us right before. I was pressing in. Right, so I, what I do when I start to get confused and when I don't know exactly what the Lord is doing, and I advise you, if you are ever in that place, this is a good thing. Go back to the last time you felt like you heard something clear. Just go back to the last time you had something clear and actually make sense. And either do that or stay there. And the last time that things were clear, I was pressing into the Lord about our world. A whole bunch of stuff was starting to happen. Our political climate was going crazy. Um, we elected this interesting man, and for good or for bad, which is interesting, um, and I felt super stressed, super stressed, right? Like, so stressed out, you could not believe. I wish I wasn't stressed out, but I was super stressed. Like, I couldn't open my Facebook. I couldn't read the news. I couldn't anything without my heart feeling like a big lead weight and me just wanting to cry and be like, Jesus, what is happening in the world? Are you coming back tomorrow? You know, this is how my brain works. And I was just like, God, so there's, we need answers. You know, one of the things I believe is love looks like something. Jesus's resurrection and what he died to give us looks like something here on earth. And I'm like, God, I can see in the eyes of our sheep and our people and your people that want answers. They want to know, what do we think? What do we believe? They want to know, did you vote this way? Did you vote this way? Which policies? Which way? Which thing? And everybody wants to know. And I'm like, God, I don't want to give them what I have. And so every day, every night, I'm like up there in my little, like, private little room, and I'm praying and I'm asking I'm feeling the pain and I'm like God what do you have what do you want to give them what do you want them to eat and God's like silent and you keep doing this for months and months and you're like but there's got to be an answer and this is something I believe fundamentally that Jesus is the answer to every single problem that we have on earth you know but what is the answer and I just keep feeling like the Lord's just saying like I'm not giving what my answer looks like is not what the world's answer is that's nice. Not the answer I want. You know, I, th I think I shared with you guys, I went away to, on a prayer trip to Carmel, and I was asking God, I want you to help me because I have this anxiety, and, and I've been struggling, and I've been feeling this anxiety for the last four to five, maybe six to eight months since all of this stuff was happening. And I was feeling this anxiety to give an answer, to give an answer. Everyone, there must be an answer. I don't want to be complicit with silence and, and helping to aid all of, all of the different oppressions and different things going on in the world. I don't want to be that way. I want to answer, Lord. We have people who need an answer, God. But every day, the anxiety is building in me because I don't have a good enough answer. And the longer you wait, the more you feel like they, people demand an answer for something. Maybe I'm not the person. Maybe we're not the people who are supposed to be doing this. You know? There are louder voices. There are, more, there, there, there are people who speak more profoundly about these things. Who, and, and I just felt the Lord saying... I was like, come, Lord, talk to me about my hip. Talk to me about my anxiety. Talk to me about this thing that I want answers for. And all the Lord kept speaking to me 
when I went on my trip was, I am here. Look at all the ways that I am here. You know, I went away to Carmel. I, n- I haven't taken a trip away from my family ever alone, right? Ryan and I have now gone on maybe two or three trips. Ra- since we've gotten married um, and had children, I don't know that I've ever gone anywhere by myself on a prayer retreat. I used to do it all the time before I got married. And all of a sudden, I just felt like the Lord, I, I was like, I need to go away. I need to go and seek you. So I go, you know, and it c- comes at a really high cost at this point in my life. And I'm like, I want you to speak to me about my aching hip, you know, my metaphorical aching hip. And the whole time, he's like, but I'm here. And he's like, look. And there are these really incredible coincidences. Or not even, not coincidence, but these really, really incredible moments of the Lord reassuring me things that would align at certain times, things that had really deep, profound meaning between the two of secret place things. And everything in me was like, thank you, Lord. But, thank you, Lord, but I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm product-oriented and very like, but what about this? And the Lord was like, and all I knew was that the Lord was saying something along the lines of, I'm not answering you, but I am answering you. You know, I think there's times when we're in these in-between moments and we're seeking answers from the Lord about very difficult things. Our families, healing, our nation, our churches, our lot of things, you know. And I feel like the Lord is like, saying that I am here. He drew me into this place where it feels like it's another wilderness. It feels like it's another desert. But he's saying, in the midst of that, those things are good and important. And I want you to keep asking me. Don't go anywhere else for your answers. Continue to ask me. But maybe I'm going to talk to you about a couple of these other things first. Because I know those things are important to you, and I'm not saying they're not important. But maybe there's these other things that I want to talk to you about. My agenda does not look like your agenda. And so I think in this moment, that's what I've got for us. I wish I had a fully baked answer for everyone. But I think what the Lord is showing me is that being in process is okay. I think we live in a culture where we want to be able to have things packaged and make sense and follow a logical place. And and we want to know why this thing happened. You know, why X, Y, and Z. And the Lord is saying, maybe you can't hear that yet. Maybe I need to do this other thing now first. And the other thing embedded in there, and I feel like this is for somebody or some many people, I think the other thing God's, 
uprooting because ultimately the thing that drew me into this place was these questions and a very clear word that he was leading me into a time of intimacy. The farther you want your tree and your fruit to reach, the deeper your roots have to go. You can't reach far and cover a lot of places of shade when your roots are shallow. And your roots can only go deep in the Lord, in Jesus, where there's water. That's why there's deserts are interesting places, because deserts, there's no water on the surface. Where's the water? It's deep down. And some people will not dig down and stay to get the water that's down there. And this is my reminder to myself and to us in this room. There is no answer elsewhere. The world will tell us that there's an answer elsewhere and tell you that you need to give them an answer faster than you have one when the answer has to come from the source of life himself. There's no way that he has existed for all of eternity. There's no way that he created the heavens and the earth and created all his mankind and created the idea of righteousness itself. There is no way that he who became righteousness unto himself has no answer. That answer has to be found in him. It has to be. There is no solution apart from him. The word has said that if we abide in him, if we remain in him, that we will produce fruit. Anything that does not come from that place will burn up in the eternal places. I don't have an answer for every single thing yet, but I believe that we will. And maybe some other people do have the answer, but this is what I've got. Here, me. Weak, not, not very wise in this area. But hopefully you can at least learn one thing, that God doesn't need us to have all the answers to use us. I believe that if we're waiting, all of us, to have a perfect answer and to be totally tidied and tied up, all of us are going to be waiting for a really long time before we decide that we're useful before, when maybe that's the whole point, is that it's not about us being all tied up and neat and packaged, but rather we can all come before the Lord just the way that we are. And I think that, again, for those of us who maybe grow up in church, that sounds really interesting, but it's not that great until you are that person. But I think that's who our leaders should be. That's who the church should be. We should stop pretending like we're the people who have it all together and know when really we're the first in line. Paul himself was like, I am, I'm chief of sinners. You know, like we don't have anything more than you have except that we've given and surrendered and said yes to an undying degree that, you know what, even when I have nothing, I will be here and I will be a light to beckon that my Lord is my answer and he is all that we have and he is all that we cherish. And everything and all answers does not reside in the fact that we have it together as a humanity, but rather that Christ Jesus himself does. And he is our hope and he is our light. And what that looks like on a real day-to-day -day level and day-to-day -day moment is stopping, anchoring myself in a passage of scripture, and breathing, and giving to Jesus the things that hurt, 
the things that are hard, the things that I wish I could be and do. Because there are people, you know, I have children, right? And we've got a church, and there are people who need, and maybe not you guys always, right? But my my little ones, they're not going to make their own food. They don't have time for you to get it together. You just got to show up. And I feel like that's what the Lord's saying. Like, don't worry if you don't have it together. Don't worry if you're in process. Don't worry if it's messy. That's not what it's about. Just come. Just come. Don't see these moments of wilderness and ha- as a bad thing. It says a he. He allured them, brought them into that place. And if you continue to read the rest of that Hosea 2 passage, it's all about how in that place he starts to give promises. It's about how in that place things change. I don't know how it happens. I don't know what the magic is. You know, there's no formula. But Jesus himself is a person. It's not some recipe, some hocus-pocus thing. But I think what the Lord is saying is, I'm a person, and I want you to just come and talk to me and sit with me. If what you're looking for is a place to just get answers so that you can feel better about your life and everything that's going on, this is going to become disappointing. And you're going to wrestle with bitterness and disappointment. And and why is it that the church and people aren't better? And why don't they do more? And why don't they act more? And all of these things. But if it is that you come because you just know that there you're going to see his face and so you're going to take away something so when you go home you can see his face even clearer and brighter you're going to find that the other stuff maybe <laughs> on a good day and i think as we end closer and get closer and closer to the end of the age especially as we live in a city that demands so many answers that's going to be even more and more critical because that's going to be the one thing that is constant and unchanging. That is the one thing. Whether If it feels not good enough, then I think we need to ask ourselves why, how to have him become bigger and how to have that be enough. But I'm saying that that is really one day when we stand, when all of this is gone, that's the only thing that's going to matter. Did you know my son? John 17 says, this is eternal life. There's not that many sentences that are that direct. Everything's embedded in mystery, right? This is eternal life, that you would know Jesus Christ. So for those of you guys who know him partly and for those of you guys who want to know him and for those of you guys who think you know him but don't yet know him enough my my invitation is just come he is enough none of the rest of the stuff is going to give us answers and right now if you're looking for more don't look out there but allow your roots to go deep and to drink water. He is the only way. He is the truth and he is the life. 
And I think the one thing that I've realized is as messy, as things continue to get out there, the few things, a couple things become more and more crystallized for me. And that is that he is the way. He is the only truth. And he is the life. Anything that promises life and answers apart from Christ himself will fall short in the long run. And so I'd love to invite the worship team up and invite Ryan to close up anything else that I didn't touch on. But um, today was not necessarily a cerebral message. I think it was more a prophetic message for someone or anyone who might be in that place where you've been struggling with being in process or being in between the next season that you that God has you in. Sometimes there's these transition periods where you know where you're you know that you don't want to stay where you are, but you don't necessarily know where you're going. And there's a lot of darkness around and you're just trying to figure out which way to go day to day. For those of you I feel like this message is for you. For those of you guys who know where you are, celebrate. That's not a bad thing. It's nice when you're in those places and you feel a little bit more stable. But if you're not, and if you, if you are in that place where you see well, then just remember this message because you won't always. <laughs> and then for those of you guys who aren't seeing super well, let this encourage you that this is an okay place to be. In fact, a lot of the life in Christ looks like this. Amen. Wow. That was really good. That was amazing. I'm just going to add uh, one short little piece, and then we'll get into some worship and some prayer. Um, I think the thing that, uh, that I was doing on as Suki was talking was there's this interesting dynamic that happens as you get really intense and serious about walking with God. It's almost like you plug into him to a certain degree and all of this love and life starts to flow through you. And you're like, wow, all of this love and life, like I need an outlet for this in the world. And he starts to plug you into different areas where it's, it becomes your privilege, not your obligation, but your privilege to express the love of God in those areas. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful and you start to see fruit and you're like, whoa, like I'm plugged into God into a way where like, look, there's some fruit in my life. It's hanging off my branch. But what the Lord continually does is he continually prunes that. And those are the times that I think Suki's talking about, right? It's not that the privilege of our life stops becoming this beautiful outward facing thing where people are eating of the Lord because of your life. People get to taste of him because of the way that you're living. That doesn't go away. What it is is your branches start to extend to a place that your root system can't hold. And so what the Lord does is he stops you in those times. He trims off some of the stuff that's, that's bogging you down. And you're like, oh man, I've regressed so far. Have I not gone anywhere? Like, look at what just went away. I thought that was such a good thing that was extending out. And the Lord's just like, in these times, he's like, hey, trust me. This isn't regression. This is progress. It just takes some time. And I think that's what Suki's talking about, where if your baseline isn't to just come back to Jesus and say, 
in you is my is in you is sufficiency not all of this stuff not all of the fruits of my labor not all of the fruit that's impacting nations because of the power that's flowing through me from you out if that stuff starts to identify you you're in big trouble and so what the lord will do is he'll just prune you back a little bit and he'll pull you back to that place where it's like hey am i still your root system am i still the only thing that matters great, let's go deeper in a couple of those areas and your roots just start to cruise down deeper and then in the next season you just extend farther. But I feel like this is just the cycle of our life, right? Like the Lord uses natural things to give spiritual truths. There's a reason that there's seasons. There's a reason that there's a spring and there's a reason that there's a winter and a fall, right? It just, there's different seasons in our life and the season that Suki's talking about is the one where you have to pull back and you're like, oh yeah, 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 the foundation that I'm still standing on is Christ alone. This isn't about me. This isn't about my strength. I'm not impressed with how amazing my branches are. I'm impressed with Christ's life system flowing through me and how that allows me to feed those around me. But what I don't want us to hear, what I don't want us to hear in a message like this is like, oh, it's just all about our personal intimacy with Jesus. It's just about this one-on-one thing because that's not what we're going for. The life system of God flowing through us becomes this place where you're like, all I want to do is love people and see God's agenda on the earth advanced. But there's these seasons where that ebbs and flows and sometimes you got to just pull back and be like, God, in this moment, I need to know that your cross is just enough for me because I'm not in the place right now where I feel strong. I feel weak. And that's where he says, oh, that's okay. Weakness is the place that's perfectly positioned for my strength to swoop in and to make up for your lack. And you go, oh yeah, this really isn't about me. This still really isn't about me. And then you go out farther, and then he does it again, and then you go out farther, and he does it again, and that's the life of discipleship. And so I just wanted to remind us that we're caught in this bigger thing that Suki's talking about a specific time and season, but it's all unto this larger thing where it's the joy of our life to get to live Christ in the world. And there's so many different expressions that that can look like, but if it's not root system anchored in Jesus, it's all worthless. It all burns up. It's all unimpressive. We all think it's strong, and it's just not. And one of the things that I've been meditating on recently is like, there is this weird thing that like, when you meet another ministry leader— it's kind of like, oh, how many miracles have you seen this week? Or like, but it's, it's shrouded in like, what's God doing in your church? You know, and it's like, oh, well, 16 people got saved and I saw two miracles, you know? And it's like, it's kind of, it can become this beat the chest thing. It doesn't have to be. It could just be a beautiful thing where it's like, oh, let's celebrate what Jesus is doing, right? It doesn't have to be. But sometimes it does. And I feel like, you know, I think there'll be people in heaven who had a job that was relatively unimpressive and Jesus called them to do that faithfully for their entire life and they did it perfectly and they get up there and he's like, you did exactly what I wanted you to do. Exactly what I wanted you to do. Well done. And I think there'll be people with big churches that we all look at right now and go like, whoa, that is the pinnacle of fruitfulness. And they get up there and Jesus goes, what were you doing? I was calling you to pastor a hundred-person church. And then you launched this big marketing thing. And then you, like, 
got caught up in this thing being about you and you took all these speaking courses and start to give these fancy sermons and like those sermons don't those weren't led by my spirit you know and 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 what seasons like what Suki's talking about do is they pull you all the way back and they go oh yeah this isn't about me this isn't about the size of the church I can build. This isn't about the number of people that I can see saved. This isn't about the miracles that I see in my life. This is about Jesus and anchoring in the one who's worthy and whose eternal life flows through. And I get the privilege of plugging into that. And whatever he chooses to, to have that look like, that's fine with me because he's the worthy one. And that's what we're going after. That's what we're going after. So let's stand. We're going to have um, people up here to pray for anything and everything that you want, including some of those fancy miracles that I was talking about, because I have to tell some stories to my pastor buddies. After, no, I'm just kidding. But if you need healing in your body, or if you need some discouragement broken off your life, there's people up here who can pray for a whole wide variety of things. And then if you want to respond, if the Lord was working something in you, as Suki was speaking— if you want to respond, it's always good just to come up, share what's been going on during the sermon or your life, and get some prayer. So let's just pray. Let's invite the Lord to do his work, and let's worship a couple songs, and we'll wrap. Lord, I thank you that you are the vine, and we're branches. God, I thank you that in you can be found much fruit. In you, the very life source flows through. In you, the very life source can be found. And Lord, I thank you for all of the seasons that you choose to walk us through. God, we see the work of your hand, and by faith we're able to say it's good, even when in our flesh we say it's not good. Lord, I pray that in this time, by the work of your Spirit, you would just continue to move on people's minds and hearts. I pray that you'd bless the prayer time, you'd bless this time of worship. And God, what we are going after, what we're longing to do is to plug into you, God, to plug in so deeply into the life source, to have this not be about us, to have this be about you, and God, to have all of life flow from that place. And so, God, we just ask that you'd come and do a great work in this place unto the glory of Jesus. I give you honor. Amen. <laughs>